Hello and welcome to the United Sisters podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Okoje, but my friends call me Omo. I'm a doctor, a mom, an entrepreneur, business strategist, transformational coach, and the founder of United Sisters, an organization dedicated to inspiring, empowering ladies whilst challenging the status quo. I am obsessed with helping women find their voice and understand their true potential, purpose and passion, regardless of their creed and culture. This podcast is dedicated to helping you up-level every aspect of your life. Join me for today's episode as we unearth the power that already lies within you. So, hello, ladies. How are you doing? This is your girl, Koji. I am so excited to have our next guest here. You know, I'm always excited, but I'm particularly excited about this lady I've got in front of me. She is a darling, darling friend. I would say a confident mentor, just a sweetheart to me. And I'm so blessed to have her here sharing her pearls of wisdom. Um, her name is Pastor Gift Obina. She's a pastor. She's a mom. She's also an entrepreneur and inspirational speaker. She runs um, an event called Grace and Embassy. We should really set up just for you know, because she had um, a heart just to serve people. So that's her ministry. She also is the founder of the Inspiring Gift Lady Seminar and the Testifying Woman, um, really where she really goes in and really helps women really be, meet, you know, live their best self. She's an event planner and she owns a business called Roses and Pearls, which is based in Richmond. She also is a mom of how many kids now? <laughs> Seven children. <laughs> She's currently she's currently also studying um really just to further the work that she does because she's actually a spiritual and health coach, but she's doing some further studies just so she can really pour into more women's life. But most importantly, one of the things that drew me to her is is her real story where she actually came from an environment and um, a survival of domestic um, um, abuse. So domestic violence. So I'm really, really, really privileged to have my sister, um, my friend, and a great mentor to me, Pastor Gif Ubina. Welcome to the United Sisters podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. You're, you're like, is that me? <laughs> I thought, let me just sit back and keep listening. This is getting sweet. This, <laughs> the voice, the you know, aura. I just, wow, this is a new person I've never met. <laughs> it's me, girl. It's me. <laughs> yes, yes. So I love this. <laughs> well, um, we met um, in a period of my life where I was just, I was broken. I was really broken. And um, even thinking about it, it brings tears to my eyes because, 
you really spoke so much life to me the first time we met and we have just connected soul to soul since then. Um, but yeah, just tell us a little bit about your journey and where you're from and what led you to the ministry you now run for women. Okay, so I don't need any more introduction. I think <laughs> I have, I've had the, I think that's one of the best I've had so far. <laughs> So, you know what, well, if you are all curious about United Sisters, this is what we do. So um, I, won't, I won't go into the long, long story, but um, I just want to inspire someone today with um, a woman out there, a lady out there, somebody today with uh, just my journey, really, and um, where I started from, how I've come through so far. And it's, it's only, I, I do call myself a survivor because mm. I'm a survivor. And many women out there that are still fighting, we are standing today to be your voice so that you know that if we can survive it, you would survive it. So people are still surviving it out there. They are still, so you sort of just have to keep moving, keep fighting for what you believe. And that's just you. Mm. If you believe in you, you fight for you. So um, it's coming, it's, we are not wired like this originally, mm. but our journey has made us who we are today, has brought the best out of us. We've recognized something that is beyond us. Yes. And um, it's basically uh, me, I, I'm, I, I'm originally from Nigeria. I've been in this country for the, for the past over 20 years. And um, initially when I came in, I, I, I was in a very abusive relationship. It was a marriage and I lived with this man and who I call my husband at the time. So um, it was, I had, a, I had my first child for him. He had already two children, which I came in to. Um, I was told, but I didn't really know exactly how everything was. But here am I. So I started doing what I know how to do best, look after the children, got pregnant, had um, a daughter in the, in, in, in the same environment. Mm. However, um, I've always been consistently told mm. that I'm here to as a childminder. So mm. I didn't really understand what that was. Mm. But um, obviously the circumstances got worse and worse. I was being beaten every time. I, you know, I want to be myself. I can be myself. I don't know who I was. I would be beaten physically. I was abused mentally. I was abused spiritually because it was really fetish. Hmm. Because it, it was a day I just woke up with all my hair shaved off, you hmm. know, in the middle. So just like a big, bold patch in the middle. Wow. And, uh, you know, in the relationship. And uh, there was a day I was praying. Uh, there was a church I was going to at the time. In fact, we were both going to, I was going to a church, but it stopped me from that church. Mm. So we ended up uh, somewhere, it was rec it was uh, recommended that I went there. So I had to find a way to speak to that man of God. And then he said to me, you know what, you're fighting something that is bigger than you. Mm. Um, there is, isn't much we can say because we don't want to get in trouble. However, we can see that there's something bigger than you that you're fighting. And uh, you just have to keep praying. There's nothing else we can do. 
Sorry, was this in the UK that you spoke to this man of yeah, God? It's in the UK, yes. It's in the UK. And then, well, my naive me and um, with the way I was then, I just kept praying. And I, at some point in my prayer, I had this, he said to me, fast as well. So I did try to. And then at some point, I had this thing in me, urge to go and open this brown envelope. I did get there. It was in the, really in the middle of the night. I opened the brown envelope. I saw 21 fetish prayer books in mm. there, spiritual book. And underneath, I found this envelope full of my hair. Mm. And in that envelope, there's another letter. It's all in contention. And it begins with my name, ended with my name. I busted out crying and I knew exactly what was wrong with me. So I immediately called the man of God. I texted him and he said, he, he called me back immediately. I said, this is what I found. After the prayer, he said, well, God has revealed something to you. That this man is going to take your sanity and that is what he's doing already. That you will get to a point that you will not even know anything about yourself. You will be there. If he says go left, you'll have to go left. You, you wouldn't know. You are just going to live your life for him. And that is what it's all about. So I said, where do I go from here? I said, just go, burn it. And I took my time, uh, set it in a place, and I had to take it to uh, the third street. And that was about 3 a.m. in the night. I found a skip there, so I had to dump it there, and I came back home, had my shower, went to bed. And the next morning, he started looking for this envelope. I was sitting down there staring. And then he asked me, there's an envelope. He said, you wouldn't know what I'm looking for. I said, certainly I wouldn't know. My countenance didn't change. I was just the same way I was. Mm. However, I didn't realize that it was such a big deliverance for me. Mm. At the time that that happened, God revealed something to me. Mm. I took it in a way I, I, was, I was so, I was so, I had this wisdom that I just knew mm. that God has done it. So don't worry about anything. And that was later parts of that relationship because I've done, I've been violated in many ways. In fact, there was the, many times you wouldn't go to sleep with um, having to do sign of the crosses because I would think, I don't know what would happen next. Mm. You know, many times I would be beaten because I had to wear Nika's bed, mm. beaten up. I mean, like, you know that you can't do this. And, you know, oh in that aspect, what do you do? You know, you just have to keep crying, you know, keep thinking, God, what is going on? And, you know, it came to a time I had to start shoplifting to wear clothes because mm. I was stripped off everything I was working for. All the money, all the cards, was, he was in charge of everything. Mm. And he never worked. I would work, pay the bills, do everything. At the time, I remember working in McDonald's then. And, and I would work tirelessly. And every money I had, he would keep there. I don't have access to anything. So I couldn't even afford to buy knickers and underwears for myself. I had to go and shoplift. And I remember the day uh, the security called me. He said, I saw everything you did. You are not that kind of woman. I can see, I can see through you. Mm. that you're going through a lot. But I would just advise you, I don't want you to have criminal record on top of what you're going through. I busted out into crying. He said, I have a sister like you. 
But I want, I, I hope that God will help you. But I don't want you to do that again. And whatever you can, find a friend, find somebody. I said, I'm not allowed to have friends because every call that comes into my phone, it would take the itemized bill at the time because he took that phone, he bought the phone for me. And then it would take the itemized bill. I liked all the numbers, call back, you know, just to find out who is she speaking to. Mm-hmm. So it got to that point. And um, on a glorious day, um, I had another child in the scene. So he was four weeks old at the time. I woke up one day and I realized that I'm not supposed to be there. Um, I don't know what my future will hold. I don't know what will happen to my children. Mm. And this thing in me just said to me, keep working, keep going. I took my wings off. I put it under his pillow. And I stepped out. I took my passport, pick up my kids. And then we left. And I just walked out. I did not take nothing. The most valuable possession to me at the time was my children. Mm. Because I've already attempted suicide. Not even attempt. I've already committed suicide on three occasions, which I knew it was God that saved me. You know? So I knew that I have to, I, I can't be like this. I have to find the courage somewhere, somehow. Mm. But what happened, I didn't realize. But a day before the day of my departure, my eyes opened and I realized, what am I doing here? Mm. I couldn't recognize where I was. I knew something was wrong. I knew there was, I wasn't meant to be there. Even at the time, I, would, I remember going to the graveyard to speak over you know, his children's mom that I'm not going to do anything nasty to his children. That's mm. how, how bad to, to take an oath, to swear, you know. It got so to he, that point. he had like children before, from his previous yes, marriage? he had two children okay. from his previous marriage. So it would take me to the uh, graveyard to go and swear an oath. You know, many nasty things is done. And it was when I fled that marriage, I find courage to just move on. And we ended up in a refuge. I was on the train. I didn't know. He was in a house. I just said to him, look, uh, we've got, my son has got a GP appointment. We have to attend. And that was how I managed to run for my life till now. We ended up on the train. You didn't take anything, just you and the two children? Just my children, yeah, because I believe that I can always start again. I believe that the most important thing is me here. I believe wow. that I'm dreaming. I believe that I just want to wake up and just leave because I'd rather live with my life intact and my children than having to go for a material possession when I know I can always, you know, gain all these things back. Did you really feel in your heart of heart? Because, you know, we have some listeners today that may be going through, you know, some level of domestic violence or some level of emotional abuse. And... Sometimes when they're in that situation, they, they're thinking to my, themselves, I've got two children. I don't have a career. Where do I start? What made, it, what made you just believe that, oh my God, I can start again from nothing? To be honest, um, at the time, I knew something has to change. And if anything has to change, you know, something has to go. So I just know that if I leave, 
God, as long as I am, I've got that life mm. because I would have died in the same. But as, as long as I've got that chance again, mm. something in me just believes that I will get back up again if mm. I just try. Mm. I think what the challenges many people have is, oh, I've acquired everything. Where am I going to start from? You know, what's going to happen? I've my lost children, 10 years. I've got 10 years, exactly. You know, my children, we, we lived off charity stuff. I would go to the charity shops, pick up toys, pick up clothes for them because I know it's not going to be the same because we ended up in a refuge eventually. And um, by God's grace, I didn't even know there were refugees. I planned to sleep on the train and keep umping up on one and one train till I found this guy. And they said to me, I was crying while I was breastfeeding on the train. It was a very cold month. It was mm. October. And uh, this guy said to me, you need help that I should go to the police station. I said, I don't know anywhere around. I've traveled so far. I don't even know where I was. And then he said to me, there's a police station at this stop. You're going to come off. I'm going to pick up the buggy for you and I'm going to show you where it is. You go there, you would find someone to talk to. And then I did exactly what he said. And by the time I looked back, just to say thank you, he vanished. There was then, I knew that was my angel, you know. Mm. So I looked back, I said, what, God, what is going on? I just knew it was an angel. So I quickly followed the process that he said to me, that go to the police station and right down at the station, when I came out, the police station was just right there. I went in there and I explained everything and they said, you know what, we're going to call a couple of um, refu- women refugees around and we see where you can have a space and then they will get someone to come and collect us. Mm. And then I saw this lady, she just came to pick us up that night and the room was a box room, but I bet you those were the best days of my life. Wow. You know, having to live in freedom, knowing that you are secure, you're safe. Mm. and there is no harm, nobody's going to come to you. You don't know what is next, but now you know that there is no fear. Yeah. You know, I think those are those things that gave me confidence that if I can even find a place mm. when I knew there was nowhere for me to go, mm. if God can make this available, you know what, I can start again. And those are the, those are the situation that gives me more hope mm. to see that there is always light at every tunnel. If you give yourself a chance. Mm. You know, I overlooked everything I had. I overlooked the big house, everything. You know, I remember one of the key workers was telling me, oh, we can, uh, we can start up a case and you can pick up your stuff and everything. And I said to her, I said, I've just come back from work, went to school, pick up my kids. And I turned up in this house and it's all burned down. What do you want me to do in that state? I said, imagine I've just come back from work and I've just collected my kids from school and I've turned up to this house and everything was gone. Mm. I said, what would you do? He said, I will start again. I said, that is exactly what I'm doing right now. Everything is gone. It's a dream. I've just, mm. woke, I've just woke up. And if I have life, that means there is hope. I said, it's all gone. How did you cope daily like and with the children were the children not asking questions because you know a lot of the times I mean your baby was four or five weeks old but your girl must have been about 
two, three? Did she not ask questions? Where is daddy? At the time, uh, she wasn't speaking at all. She was mute all her life. She's never had a voice. She never spoke. And I knew there was a problem. Maybe we needed speech therapist and somebody mm. to help her mm. because she's at a stage where she should be talking, but she's not. So um, I think it was a concern I raised with one of the key workers. And what they said to me is, there's a place called Tavistock. It's a counseling firm mm. that helps families to rebuild their lives. So they're mm. going to refer us to uh, the firm to see if we can get help because they know that it's beyond speech therapist. It's mm. maybe she's seen so much and it's shut her down and mm. shut her off. So we need to go there. We need help. So that's where it all begins. So I took, I took, you know, I was so open to learn new things, accept new life. And I remember I had to, I had to resign from work. I told them my situation that I need to resign right now. I'm in this kind of situation. I've got kids. And at the time I was meant to be on a maternity leave. However, um, I had to tell them I wouldn't be coming back. So it was good for me to have done that so that I can know that I'm going to face my life. Um, they told me about benefits. I never knew anything about it. Um, they got me help you know, in terms of um, support with benefits and all sorts of things, which came in really handy. And also, uh, at the referral, we went for the referral eventually. Mm. And on our first session, uh, the lady said to me, uh, we're going to have a, what we do for children and their families. Mm. After they've gone through so much trauma, abuse and all that, it's um, having to have like a, something like a role play. Mm. Because my daughter is not talking and they know that it's not that she doesn't want to talk. There's something mm. bottled up. So what they would do is she brought a big pool of uh, a bowl full of water mm. and she put it in front of her and said, this is a, this is a sea. And she looked at the lady and looked at me. She didn't know what was happening. So she bought this um, animation, like little toys, and she started putting it in the water you know, all the, all the animals was, she dumped them in one by one. And then she came to humans and she picked me inside, put up everyone inside. And then they did ask her questions and say to her, oh, Sarah, uh, who would you like to save in the sea? Hmm. Because there's lots of animals that's going to kill, you know, people there. Hmm. Do you want to save anyone? She looked at everybody and she pointed her finger at me. Hmm. Hmm. And she brought me up. And then the lady looked and then we kept quiet. And then the next thing was, who else do you want to save? Mm. She looked at her baby brother and mm. then she looked at him and said, she found a toy that looks like a baby. And then mm. she brought the baby out. And then the lady said, did you just save your brother? And she nodded her head, like, yes. And they asked her, who else do you want to save? She didn't say anything. She kept mute. <laughs> Asked her three times, I can recall. She didn't say anything. She didn't even move. She didn't bulge. And the lady just mentioned, would you like to save daddy? And that was how everything started. She was so mad, furious. She started screaming the first time I would ever had, you know, hear a voice. I've never had my daughter's voice. That was mm. the first time ever. Mm. Oh, 
daddy's going to die there. And she spoke so fluently. Maybe never knew she had that in her. She was pulling down the shelf, pulling down. She was absolutely violent. Wow. I've never seen a three-year-old that violent in my life. They had to take me and the baby brother out to just to save us and keep us somewhere safe. So they gave us, we had to stay behind the windows just to watch her demonstrate. Uh, she has to, he, daddy has to die. He's, he's a bad man. He's very mean. He's, he beat my mommy up. She said all these words. She said it. Beat my mommy up. Beat me up with belt every time mommy is not at home. Um, I never get my pampas changed. You know, she said everything, sis. I was scared. I want a white dad. A white dad, I see them in the park. They hold their babies up. They love their children. Um, I don't want him in my life. Thank God, mommy took us to a safe home, a holiday home. And that's why we're in holiday home. And that was how everything got the words out of her. Wow. I, I couldn't stop crying because, and I know, you know, and this is what I say to many people. You are in it. You can manage. Can your children manage? Wow. And their lives could not ever be the same. Would they be violent? Because I remember when she went back to school, she, we found a school for her eventually. She, for the first three months, she was beating up everybody she sees. And thank God that, you know, the teachers understood that we are from the refuge. We've been through, you know, lots of different issues and abuse, civil marriage and everything. She's seen a lot. I took the report from the counseling, the tablet to them, they saw it. So they knew exactly what was happening to her. How did, how did you feel as a mom? Because did you feel a sense of responsibility? I did, I did. But the only thing that um, consoled me was that I, I took the courage to take them out of the situation. Because I can imagine if she was 10 years old in that situation and my son grew up to see such a manner of man mm. called that, it would definitely end up to be the same way, you know? So I said to myself, is it about me or about these innocent children that don't have any sort of clue on my choice or what happened to me mm. and having to breed so, you know, many more children that way? Because of, of course, for him to be that way, he has already, he didn't get help. Something must have gone wrong when he was growing up. Fine. But I would not repeat my own generation, let my yes. another, you know, repeat this on my children. Mm. So that was what really gave me so much confidence that, you know what, I don't care what happens. We might not have something to eat, but I would thank myself forever and ever that I took this bold step just mm. because of these children. You know, so for me, I can look back now and I keep saying thank God because I remember and I can see that if I didn't, mm things would have gone wrong. I would have lost my children, you know, in, 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 the, in, in, in the sense of, oh, oh is, is their father, I'm doing it for their dad. I want them with that. But at the end of the day, it's not a dad that is nurturing them in a good way. Mm. It's against what the word of God says. So why would I want my kids to grow up like that? That is ignorance. You know, if you know 
you know, as as parents, if our children are in the school and there's mm. so much violence, mm. there's so much problems, they're not learning, what would we do? We would think fast and change the school. Yes. But you see, we would, sis, we would do something. Yeah. But you know, the thing about it is that we call each other sis. We're, we're just mm. like really tight <laughs> like that. So <laughs> the thing about it is that a lot of people actually think, especially in our culture, I'm, I'm originally from Nigeria. Um, well, let me be clear, I, I classify myself as a global citizen, just be clear, but my I was born uh, in Nigeria. But I think a lot of people in our, from our culture, African background, there's a stigma associated being with being a single mom. Right. And yeah. also the children being from, quote unquote, a broken home. Did you not fear mm. that that could stigmatize your children? To be honest, um, from that early stage, I didn't even think for <laughs> once. <laughs> I thought I was actually saving their lives because I, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking of stigmatization because I remember when I was in a refuge, I cut off from every single person. Wow. Because I believe there, were, there, was, there are times that I've raised this issue with my family. They keep saying, oh, it's your husband. You have to stay there. That's what everybody went through. Mm. And, um, you know, it kept happening. And I said to myself, the day I make my decision, I'm not going to get anyone involved because that's because I'm still believing and I'm still breathing. That's why they can tell me to keep going back. What if hmm. I died in the same? This wouldn't, nobody would be talking about me today. So mm. I think it's about me. It's my battle. It's my life. Yes. It's my destiny. Yes. But I've got to live it. I've, it's okay, fine. Everybody's there. Yeah, they've witnessed the marriage. So they feel like you have to die there. Yes. But I choose not to die there. I choose to move on. So in that sense, I just didn't call anybody. Nobody found me for a year. It got to a point that they had to start fighting him to go and report me missing because he told them, I walked out of the house, I'm missing after six months. Guys, could you imagine? After six months, he called my parents and said to them, I'm missing. Okay. And they had to tell him, so what are you still doing? Have you reported to the police? Whatever, mm. whatever. So he had to do all that. I remember the police coming to the refuge at some point, banging the door and wanted to break the door down because the refuge, we have like about seven to eight families. Mm. We all share one toilet, by the way, and one wow. kitchen with all those children, but I loved it because, and these are people from every different walks of life. Hmm. I've got every different backgrounds, culture, all in that house, you know, all women with children. Hmm. So which means it's not about culture. It's not about race. It's not about background. It's everybody is in this. Everyone goes through it, regardless of where you're coming from. You don't, you, as long as you're a woman, if you're not placed right in the place that you're meant to be, you have the same feeling, the same, you know, response. So mm. it doesn't matter. We are all women and mm. we are all in this. Yes. So we were, we are all there. So I, I, and that really gave me a sense of hope that, you know what? I'm not alone. Mm. She can go through it. She's not Nigerian. She's this from this country and she's here with our children, and I've seen women that went back to the perpetrator. Mm. Why? Because they couldn't cope. And 
I've seen women left the refuge, went back and died. They came to give us, they brought the news back to us oh that God. they died in the same. They went back because at the end of the day, you have upset the perpetrator thinking that is a bad person. So you going back there is not going to favor you. It's all just going to make it worse because if you have left him once and, you know, they know how to beg. Mm. They know how to make you feel that you are the problems. Mm. You are, yes, it's fine. You will get through it. It's only a matter of time. You'll get to find yourself again. You'll get to know that you are not the perpetrator. Mm. And I think for me, it's just also expressing in your situation, there was a lot of physical abuse. But for some people, when you're talking to them and you're, there's also emotional abuse because I think sometimes in um, people say, well, uh, is he beating you? Like sometimes they don't necessarily beat you, but they emotionally beat you down. Right. And Mm -hmm. they say to you that, you know, well, he's not beating you. Stay there. And you almost feel like you're you're losing your mind. You know, you're trying mm. when when you know that you're being emotionally manipulated aside from the physical beating, is when you're mm. you're constantly pouring out into the relationship in terms of your time, your energy, mm. and you're they're constantly second guessing you, constantly making you feel like whatever you're doing is not quite enough. You can never satisfy them. And you lose, you have mm. a sense of loss of who you are, you know. That's and I right. want to, you work with so many women who and really help them to heal. What is the one thing you will say to that woman? Because there's a spectrum. There's a spectrum of abuse. What about if it's just in a seen in her eyes as a minor abuse? How would you help her see that her sense of worth is being devalued? And what would you say to her Mm -hmm. to help her believe she can move on with her life? Okay. Uh, What I would um, advise such a woman is, you know, you are not a problem. If Mm. you are struggling to find yourself, because you should be in a relationship where you would find yourself. where you would know that you are happy, you're fulfilled from inside, where your partner needs to um, support you and love you just the way you are. Hmm. So you don't have to work hard for love. You don't have to be manipulated in your own space to feel like you're somebody. You don't don't have to be taken, something doesn't have to be taken from you to prove yourself that this is, that means you're not yourself. Hmm. That means you're faking it. Hmm. And there will be a day that your real self will come out and you won't be able to take it anymore. That means you're acting it. You can't act in a relationship. It's not you. Because if you start adopting somebody else in your own place, that means you're not going to fulfill your destiny. You're not going to fulfill your purpose. What about like, you know, when they sometimes say to you, like, you need to like, you know, sir, I mean, this is nothing against men. You need to, yeah. you're just to say, um, my darling sister is in a beautiful marriage and she's gone on to marry an amazing, amazing, powerful man of God, um, mm. Pastor Frank. So I wanted to just share that with you. And yes, yes, she, their, their, their relationship is just 
super inspiring when I see them they're like best friends he allows her be herself and when I saw that I was like oh my god so this you can be yourself in your relationship (laughs) genuinely that's one of the things I found really shocking but I guess for for me what I was told or what I saw a lot is that if you cooked properly for your man then he'll stay if you did this different moves in bed, then he will stay. And and maybe if you did all those things, we were nice to the in-laws, then he will stay. If you clean the house well, then he will stay. What what are your thoughts surrounding that? To be honest, all those things are not bad to for someone that appreciates you for you. Mm. To be honest, if you want to if you want to improve yourself, because we do improve ourselves to do something better for ourselves. Mm. So there's nothing wrong in all that to, you know, enhance your cooking skill, you know, just to make him happy. Mm. There's nothing wrong in that if it equally appreciates you. Mm. And, you know, this is what why I would, you know, let you into when I met my husband now, mm. because I'm grateful that I could see the two, then I can actually tell that. You know, it was an eight years journey for me. I was on my own looking, you know, looking after my children on my own. I remember those times, many times I couldn't sleep. You know, you still having this flashbacks, this thought. So I took it out on the gym equipment, the machine, you know, swimming, boxing. And I was on my weight loss journey at the time. So something to me and it said, oh, where have you been my angel? I looked back. There was nobody <laughs> behind me. <laughs> And I looked forward again. I saw this young man. And I said, this man is already going cuckoo. Where <laughs> are you angel here in this place? Why wouldn't you see angel? Because I was in my swimsuit with this <laughs> big bomb and this nice figure. I said, yeah, of course, you will see an angel. I just walked back. I dived straight into the pool. <laughs> I said, this man is definitely good. <laughs> I looked at myself, I can't follow the angel. Oh, and I realized, oh, wait a minute. Okay, why wouldn't you see an angel? <laughs> With this kind of presentation, of course, you would mistake it for an angel. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, till today, we still laugh about it. And then a week after, he did, he did everything to set me up to catch up with me again. But only then I realized that, wait a minute, I've just signed a contract yesterday which is binding me for a year in this gym. <laughs> and now finding out that this guy works here. <laughs> and, uh, oh my God, what have I done to myself? I'm not gonna, I came to gym. I don't want this person to be stalking me everywhere. <laughs> so, so a week after I came, I came back to the gym. I had to sign up for a week because I, didn't, I was so confused. I didn't like that. So a week after I did that, I'm paying. I have to use my service. What is going on? <laughs> Let me just go back. So I went a week after. Apparently, he has been looking for me. He couldn't find me. So he, he stalked me. So I said to myself, I'm not even going to the gym. I'm going to hide myself in the jacuzzi. I just go for steaming this time around because I don't want this guy over me. So immediately I was there. I laid down, you know, about 30 minutes after. He showed up. I said, oh, my God. <laughs> I have that. I said, oh, how can I help? He said, no, no, um, I've been looking for you. You forgot your goggles. I said, goggles? He said, yes, I had to keep it so that I can get in touch with you so that we can talk. Please, I want to marry you. I love you. I said, what is going on? <laughs> 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 I 
He said, the only where he blew me up, he said, the only spirit said, you are my wife. <laughs> I said, this man don't know me. You don't know anything about me. This is where I have these people start. Who is your wife? You're not even saying you want to meet me as a friend. You're saying wife. Where? <laughs> Am I looking for a wife? Do I have a sign on my head? I'm not looking for a husband. What is wrong with this guy? So um, he said I should give him his, my number. I said, sorry, I don't give strangers, especially people that behave like him because I don't know what you're up to. I don't, to be honest, <laughs> not what I came to sign up. I came to sign up for gym just to, you know, refresh myself, not yes. this issue. So it went on and on. And uh, two weeks after, I saw his consistency. So I just, you know, I said, if this is going to help me, just get this guy off. I gave him my number and that was all how we started. And I can't regret it now because wow. three months after we got married, we had children. Three months! Oh, three months my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And then you produced the battalion. The battalion. <laughs> and you know what happened? I remember the first day when we went on a date and I said to him, I've got children. He said, children or child or how? <laughs> I said, there he goes. I have to let you know because I don't want trouble. And he said, children, are you are looking like this. I remember his passion. He mm. said, well, I'm coming on board because I want you to have my children as well. Oh, my <laughs> God. He said, I know you wanted to trick me and, uh, you know, trick me out of this, you know, friendship. But sorry, it's even made me stronger. I want to be with you. Oh, my and, God. you know, that really, for me, I knew um, this man just loves me for who I am. and. Mm. He said, I want to come on board. And he said to me, he has a calling on his life. He's stayed for years. He didn't just want to marry. He has to wait for the Spirit of God to show him who that mm. woman was. And um, hearing my story, because I had to let him into my life, and yes. I explained everything. He said, hearing my story, he knew that I'm the person. Wow. Because both of us are going <sighs> to, God is taking us somewhere. And, you know, somebody coming from this kind of journey, you are already made, like power packed, like nothing is impossible. This is the kind of woman wow. he wants to marry. And at the time, he's never been married. He's never had kids. He's a young guy, right? He was just ready. And you know what amazed me about our relationship? Not until after our marriage, he did not tell his parents I had kids. Hmm. None of his friends or family knew I had children because he said to me, I want them to love you for you. Wow. I don't want to put a stigma on you because the moment you tell them that you've got this, you've been through this, they'll start judging you and start looking at you in a different way. Mm. And this is what the problem in this life is all about. People don't want to know people. They just want to know what they've been through and mm. they judge them based on that. But they're more than that. Mm. You know, they're more than that. Many times I wake up in the middle of the night, look at this man and think, is he a human being? <laughs> No, like, is he sure what he's doing, you know? Because I'm coming from somewhere. I've experienced the worst. Mm. And having to see someone that just loves you for you, makes you be who you are. You uh, Even till now, I will tell you, it's still friendship. Mm. We don't see, it would let me do everything I want to do. It would support, you know, is that man. It, we will talk like friends. And we are not from different, you know, we have two different cultures. We don't speak each other's language. 
But whenever we want to chat, we, we have a, a common area where we come in. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We both love God. Because I remember then in those days, I prayed. I said, I don't want to know this guy. I don't want to care what he has or whatever he does not have. I want to know that he fears God and he loves mm-hmm. God. Because if he loves mm-hmm. God, he's going to love me and he's going to love my children. Mm-hmm. He's adopted my children. You know, it's, it's, it's taking... You know, his name, you know, is happy. He tells me again and again that God restore his life by bringing children to him, that this is where his friends, they have left him behind. And now God bless them even with more. So uh, there's no reason to worry. Focus on yourself. Hmm. God knows your need. Hmm. And I'm talking about need. I don't talk about want. It's the need that God knows. He understands exactly what you need. You focus on yourself. Find yourself. Yes. You know, don't ever think that there is, there is nothing impossible. Mm. But you, but we, we don't, we leave ourselves unhealed and we start chasing something yes. that we are not ready for. Yeah. So I personally would say any woman that is going through anything, challenges or still in a marriage or abusive relationship and you're finding, looking, thinking that, oh, if I go, where am I going to start from? Yes. You know what? You don't even need to think about that. You need to think about yourself and think about if you've got children, think about them. Those are the most valuable gifts God has blessed you with. Hmm. Every other thing in life, we, is our choice. But the children God gave to you wasn't your choice. It was hmm. a blessing hmm. that God brought into your life. So you didn't choose them, but God mm. chose them for you. And that is how you see it. Mm. If you've got into a marriage that it wasn't, it's not meant for you. It's a choice. Mm. There were signs. I will tell you, I saw signs, yes. but I overlooked the signs because I thought, okay, we've got deep. Am I going to back off from here? Yeah. But never knew that I was actually going into a death trap. But I thank God that, you know, I was able to come out of it. And God restored it. You know, the testimony started from there. I name it. I've been through every process. You know, a single phase of my life where I have to be a single mom. I was there. I was in a abusive marriage where I have to suffer, you know, almost died. I was there. But right now, you know, I'm, I'm now married to somebody that actually loves God, know the value of a woman mm. and gave me that opportunity to see deep within myself and understand that marriage is actually friendship. It's not supposed to be you working hard. <laughs> yes, baby. It's not that. I'm telling you, it's not actually, it's far from that because that's the mindset I had. Mm. That's the mindset I grew up with. Mm. That's what I saw growing up. Mm. So of course it's, it's there. Mm. So you just know, but now it's all erased. You know, wow. because I now see that the true meaning of marriage, because there's no marriage in heaven, guys. Mm. Right. Everything finishes on this world, in this mm. earth. So if any, if you're going to a church and they're making you feel worthless because you're not married or you're single or whatever, you know, let them know that you're not condemned. I've been, mm. I've been there. I've been mm. into a, in, a, in, a, in a spiritual environment where I was condemned completely and God pulled me out of it, you know. So I'm a pastor now to the glory of God. God called up. God has called you for something. 
Yes. And the devil wants to attack you yes. to believe something different, you know. Mm. So Preach that's it. not even <laughs> 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 We're in church now. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> is, is, is that office with me? <laughs> you're, you're in spirits now. Did you not feel her spirit? <laughs> No, you're no, you're super, super inspiring, and you're so, so right, sis. Thank you so much for just sharing so openly and giving us hope because <sighs> that we can start again. We can rebuild our lives, and That's it's right. so beautiful to share or to see your story or to hear your story because I think when I heard you start speaking about your life afterwards when you were married I could just feel it in your voice the joy that you you're experiencing being with the right person and it's worth it and now you've gone ahead and you know you you run a ministry, a ladies' ministry. You have a business. You're, I believe, you're actually doing another, another degree. You've got five, seven children as well. Oh, how do you have time to do all of these things? <laughs> I think you know when when you're, we are all called for a purpose, and then that's why I want you to understand that whatever you are going through is is shaping and sharpening you to be the best of you because you have something bigger than you to fulfill. So you need to be trained. You need to be polished. You need to be sharpened. And all those things are to sharpen us. They're not to destroy us. Sometimes we get to the point that we feel like, oh my God, where are you? Yes. And if you're called to do something and you have not won a battle, how do you lead people in victory? Wow. Oh my God. I love that. Wow. <laughs> How do you leave people in victory? So these are the things we need to understand. And this is till now, whatever happens to me, I always know that is a preparation to prepare somebody else. So I have to make sure that I handle it just the way God wants me to, so mm-hmm. that I can be a blessing to many other people out there that feel that it's not possible, that feel that it's not real. I feel that it's only a movie. I've only just watched it in Hollywood. It's not real. It's just, mm. just acted. You know, real life people like us are real life. We real. We went through real struggles mm. and living in a real life. It's real. We. It's not. I was from size twenty six. I remember then when I was finding who I was. I. I had to find myself. You know, drop down all the weight because I got there because I was battered. I was frustrated. I was depressed. I got to that point because the only comfort I had was food. Mm. So coming down was, was amazing because then I then realized that this is who I was, not that Mm. person. Mm. So I use that as an example to let you know that there are times that there's a veil, there's something bigger than you covering you to see the person that you really are. So it's you and I's responsibility to make sure that we shed off all those weights, all those distractions, clear it out so that we can see clearly where we are going. So we can see clearly the life that God has designed for us. There's a glorious life. But it's our responsibility to dig it out, find it out, and get there. So you might be in a wrong 
you might be placed in the wrong relationship, not your choice, not your fault. You know, you have responsibility. You've been given a chance. We have a choice. God has given us this power of choice. I, re- I recognize it in my journey that whatever you want to be, you can be it. Mm. You have to just stand for yourself and say no to some things and break some things and make that decision to cut off that fear because that's the only limitation that you have. There's no other wow. limitation than the fear of, can I, how will I, what will happen? Nobody won't care what will happen. Do what you know you can do now and see that there is something that's going to happen to you later. But the fear will not let anyone do anything. I had to overlook fear, overcome fear, to live and move on with my life. You know, share those weight that was, you know, holding me back. And here am I today. And I look back today to say, if I didn't take that responsibility, because God is there with you, he's going to journey with you, but he's going to, you, you have to do it. Mm, it's not going to come down from heaven. <laughs> no, 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 no. It can never. I've realized that, that if you pray for a child and God bless you with a seed, you have to go through the pregnancy stage. Wow. He's not going to carry that child for you. He's not going to go through the nurturing stage for you. He has blessed you with that child. So where does your responsibility come in? Go through the nine-month process. Wait, have the patience. Meet this child. Then start feeding the child. Nurture the child. So you have a plan to play and he has a, he has already blessed you with everything that you need, but you need to step out in faith and do what you know that is right for you. And nobody wow. will tell you that's your part to play. Thank you so much. You shared so much. I am, my heart is full, taking responsibility, that's being right. at cause of your life rather than the effect of whatever's happened to you. Thank you, Pastor Gift, for being with us today. We really appreciate your openness and the work that you're doing in the world to really set many women free from the limitations that have been put on them. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. It's such a privilege to be on here. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you've loved what you've heard, which I'm sure you have, then please go ahead and share the love, leave a review and subscribe. I would love to hear your thoughts, your ideas, your aha moments and your breakthroughs. You can connect with me on social media, on Instagram or Facebook by searching for Dr. Okoje Omo Okunkwo. You can find my details on the show notes. I'd love to add you to our Facebook United Sisters group where you'll get a daily dose of inspirational thoughts and insights. I can't wait to connect with you on our next episode. But until then, go out there, be bold, be beautiful and just be you.